Welcome once again to the Africa Football Showdown. What a game. What a tournament. I mean, I could not see the AFCON ending in any other way than the drama that came down in Abidjan between Ivory Coast and Nigeria. We'll go into all those details in this episode. Peter Okoche is here. Mimi Fawaz will be joining us a bit later. Peter, what happened? Oh, well, I mean... what. Listen, first of all, I have to apologize for my absence from the show for the last few editions. But hey, I'm back. And that's all that matters, isn't it? Listen, man. I mean, when Troost Ekong scored that first goal yesterday, Nigerians thought that cup was coming home. But the Ivorians had a different game plan. It was a masterful game plan by the Ivorians. You know, Nigeria were a bit too defensive, not attack-minded enough. And, you know, we couldn't understand that formation. Once the Ivorians had scored two goals, we changed our formation to a more attacking one. And people thought, well, that should have come earlier in the game. Even right after we scored our first game, Trust Ekong headed in that brilliant goal. We thought, okay, we'd become more attack-minded just to protect our goal. But I think the Ivorians had a different game plan and they masterfully executed it on the pitch yesterday. Kudos to them. Kudos to them. The celebrations here in Nigeria, pretty muted. I've been monitoring them all through the night and a lot of people are giving the boys kudos because at the beginning of the tournament, no one expected to see them in the final. Look, I think that the boys deserve all the all the plaudits that they can get. I, I, I picked Nigeria to win this because I felt like they had found a system that worked for them and they had stopped even the best of attacks which is what surprised me about yesterday, conceding two goals. But again, I have to give props to, first of all, Adingra and then Kessie and um, Ale there for breaking down the defense because I, it wasn't the first time, if you look at the second goal, for instance, it wasn't the first time that Adingra had managed to enter through that left side and gotten a cross through. But it just seemed like there were too many bodies in the middle. It, it was such a beautiful flick, though, wasn't it? Uh, by Sebastian mm. Le. Mm. Mm. Absolutely. And, and listen, right, I think, the, like I said, the Ivorians had a game plan. If you go back to the group stages when Nigeria beat Ivory Coast 1-0, I think the Ivorians had watched Nigeria's first game against Equatorial Guinea, I think it was, where we drew 1-1 in that match and then came into the match against Nigeria in the group stage thinking that we were going to play exactly the same way. But Nigeria changed their formation and played with a completely different formation but i think the ivorians had learned their lesson so when they came into this final game they were the ones who surprised the nigerians you know i thought kessie was brilliant i thought hala was brilliant the whole team i mean the way they kept the ball the way they passed the ball it all of a sudden nigeria the nigerian players could not retain the ball you know and and those are a lot of the complaints that people where i watched the game and then fans that i've been listening to on the radio since these are some of the complaints that they had. They said, you guys could not retain the ball. You guys could not even string together five, six passes. You know, I think, which was a shame. You've not been, you've not been retaining the ball so much during the tournament, Peter. You've not, been, you've not been playing possessive football during the tournament. It's been more of sitting back and, and soaking the pressure. So, so absolutely, soaking up the pressure. But once we get on the move, you know, if we're doing a counterattack or something, our, pass, our passes were, you know, crisp, sharp, went to the player, intended player. 
But this time, you know, it will be, uh, I know, all of them. I mean, the, the passes were just short, completely out of place. They just looked like a team that were that were tired. You know, they'd reached their peak, which was a, a huge, huge surprise for, you know, for such a game that they wanted to win. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. At a point, it seemed like Ivory Coast just wanted it more. And um, I am kind of taken aback by, even though, yes, the fairy tale works, but I'm really taken aback by the energy on the pitch, if anything. Ono Simen, Peter mm. Ono Simen, 24 shots at goal in a tournament and one goal. I, I, yes, that's a very poor return. He, he, yeah. That's a very, very poor return. And I, and I think, I think, I see, and that's another problem with the coaching technical crew, because after that first game, where we drew 1-1. I think that he should have been told, listen, your job in this tournament is to score goals. Stop tracking back. You know, you are number nine. Stay in the number nine position and let's look for you. You know, but at some point, you know, at some point I was, during the tournament, I was seeing him recovering balls from the Nigerian defense. You know, that's not your job. And I think that's why his goal return in this tournament was so, so poor. But then his work rate was high. I still really respect what he put in the game. I still really respect the role he played in drawing defenders and even tracking back and making sure that they would retain the goals. There's an expression that a good attack wins you games, but a good defense wins you titles. But are you satisfied overall with what he brought? (laughs) Listen, I can say no, because his job was to score goals and he he scored only one goal. But you can't deny the man's work rate. The man's work rate was very high. But when it comes to goals returned, which is why he is in the team, then he didn't he didn't have the best of 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 tournaments. Uh, you know, and, and not just him, the rest of the players. But then don't forget, I mean, he was the highest goal scorer coming into the tournament during the um, uh, during the uh, qualification phase of of the tournament. You know, so for for his goals to just dry up during the tournament was a, a, a huge, huge surprise. But I think that's because he also tried to show what a team player he is. But strikers are meant to be selfish players. You know, play selfishly. Bang in the goals. Look, I mean, no matter how wild that game was, as a Ghanaian, I have to say, I'm not angry at the result at all. I mean, we still have... <laughs> four, we still have four Afghans. Nigeria still has three. Ivory Coast also has three. You know, and you know, I think that for world peace, because Nigeria's people have been sitting on people's hearts. Should I tell you the? Should I tell you the biggest story in Nigeria today? The biggest story in Nigeria today is that Nigerians didn't were not even interested in the trophy. All they wanted to do was perform better than Ghana in the tournament and then beat South Africa. So we achieved those two. That's fine for us. <laughs> You know, you know, you know the, you know the, you know the interesting thing. That's that may be the biggest story in Nigeria, but the biggest story across the world is no Grammy, no Afcon, no lights. I mean, Peter, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Oh goodness gracious! Oh, but football fans, football fans. But you know the the good thing about the final. I mean, what I'm happy about the final it was Seb Hala. I mean, you know, coming back from his uh, cancer diagnosis, and then winning this tournament. You know, what a fairy tale. You know, brilliant. So, so happy for him. You can't help but be happy for the Ivorians. The Ivorians were not the best team in this tournament, not by country mile, but I think they were the ones who tweaked their game 
when they needed to. They were really, really, really lucky to get this far. Don't forget that they qualified out of the group as one of the best finishing third-placed teams in their group. So congratulations to Ivory Coast, commiserations to Nigeria, but we lick our wounds and try again in Morocco. <laughs> I mean, that's why my man of the tournament is MS5, because I think, look, that must have been one difficult phone call he got when he was told, we're going to fire Jean-Louis Gasset, and we have fired Jean-Louis Gasset, we're going to need you to step in as coach. Because what, what do you think about? These are players who, first of all, have lost two games in a row, have been walloped by Equatorial Guinea, what, how do you even motivate them to do the best that they can? And how do you arrange the squad so that you bring out the best in them? He got both of them excellently right. I mean, absolutely. And, and he, he, they struggled to the final. It was a difficult road to the final. Uh, to be fair, penalties at a point, you know, um, last minute winners, extra time winners at a point. But in the end, look, here we are. Listen, I mean, remember, remember when, when we started this podcast and we heard that news, that news broke that Ivory Coast had fired their coach and the decision worked for them. So kudos to them as well, you know, I mean, but like you said, what a great tournament we, we've had, you know, goals galore, excellent players, some nice dribbling, because I like dribbling. I like to watch players getting dribbled and make, get, you know, so it, it was a brilliant one. You couldn't have asked for more. You couldn't have asked for more. No. What actually surprises me, Peter, what actually surprises me is Emilio Nsue holding on to the golden boot. You can imagine he left in the round of 16 and he still held on to the golden boot. So, I mean, so it just goes to show that it wasn't just one player or a couple of players who were scoring the goals. Everybody was involved in goal scoring. So um, I think that worked very well for me as a tournament. But what, what a great tournament. I really, really enjoyed it. And Best moments, highest moments from the tournament, Peter. Best moments for you. Oh, I think best story, more like. I think Cape Verde. They have improved and improved. Best moment for me, Bebe's 40-yard free kick. Mm. What a goal. What a goal. What a goal. That's my best moment of the competition. So, yes, I mean, if, Niger if Nigeria had won, that would have been my best. But, hey, you know, if wishes were horses. Huh? <laughs> my, best moment was the, my best moment was the Ivory Coast to win. Finally silencing. <laughs> Finally oh, no, silencing. I walked, I walked <laughs> right into that punch. Thank you very much, Daniel. Thank you. I'll get you back. <laughs> I was going to pick something totally different, but I had to, mm. you know, I had to slip that in. <laughs> I, this was for, for South Africa, for Angola, for Ghana, for so many, for world peace, for general world peace and continental cohesion. We're not the best team on the continent. We're the second best team on the continent and then every other person follows behind us. So that's all that matters. <laughs> <laughs> no one remembers second best, of course. No one remembers second best. <laughs> I totally agree with you. Look, but it was it was a good it was a good watch. I think that for me, I think I look back at the tournament and I think very great stories. I, I know I've mentioned MS Fire already. I think Hugo Bruce also did excellently well. South Africa coming from behind there. I think the entrance of Angola with that attacking fire and that 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 progress really was such an amazing thing to talk about talk about namibia talk about mauritania and remember when we got to the quarterfinals the top five teams on africa according to the fifa world ranking were out of the tournament 
all of the quarterfinalists from the last world, from the last Afghan were out. Yes, the indeed, indeed, indeed. Yeah, Nigeria was the was the only, was the remaining highest placed team at number six, you know, on the continent. So you you're, you're very right about that. When we started, I know that when we started the tournament, I expected it to be you know the big boys whitewashing everyone else, and I wanted this to be the last moment and everything, but. I, I, looking back at it, I won't have it any other way. It... DR Congo did well, Equatorial Guinea, Guinea. It, it was just, it was brilliant. It was brilliant, you know. And to, to actually have a Guinean derby in a Nations Cup, I love that. I love that. And somebody said the only thing separating them is the equator. <laughs> was that you who said that? Was that you who said that? I think it was you. <laughs> if I'm going to remind listeners of things that people have said, Peter Koche said it on this podcast that every time Nigeria beats Ivory Coast, Nigeria wins the Afghan. Well, <laughs> if they had beaten them, they would have won. They'd have won, exactly. There you go. <laughs> Peter, look. They'd have won. This was yeah. so much fun. Come back uh, from it was. come back from Nigeria safe. You will do. Will do. All right. Have some Amala on me, okay? <laughs> Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Nice one, bro. Nice one. All right, Cheers. man. All right, man. All right, man. This is the African Football Showdown. That was just the first part of my conversation with Peter Koche. My name is Daniel Dazi. We're not done yet. We'll be right back. And welcome back to the Africa Football Showdown. My name is Daniel Dazi here with Mimi Fawaz, who is in Abidjan. Mimi, um, should I be saying I'm sorry? Should I be saying let's buy funeral cloth? How are you feeling? I'm feeling fine, Daniel. Thank you very much. I'm here, it's here for the final, as you know. I have to say it was quite something. Uh, I haven't experienced anything like that before, I have to say, in an Africa Cup of Nations final. Uh, it, it, the stadium was 60,000 capacity. It was literally just a sea of orange throughout the stadium. Packed, packed, packed. Obviously, lots of loud noises because you've got so many fans at the same time in the stadium. That atmosphere is something that I, I as I said, I, I cannot remember experiencing something like that in Africa Cup of Nations final, and I've covered quite a few now. Electric atmosphere, really. Now, you've been very close to the Nigerian camp, Mimi. What have they been telling you after that loss? Well, of course, when you get so close to lifting a trophy, and you can actually see it when they're passing by getting their medals, um, a lot of the players were, were, were disappointed, understandably so, because they were so close but yet weren't able to lift the trophy. They knew it wasn't the performance that they've put in throughout the competition. They just were not at their best for the final. And also, I, I feel, and I think many Nigerian fans as well, the, the tactics of Jose Pacero, um, it just didn't work for this match. So it's a somber mood, but um, they're, they're heading to Nigeria as we speak to get a, a welcome um, reception from the presidential villa getting to the semi-finals because let's not f forget that is still a very big deal we've all seen from this competition how difficult it has been it's not been like any other ones that we've seen the gap between the traditional favorites and the minnows has closed so for any team that's gone to the final that's a huge achievement honestly honestly but hey it's been a great hosting attempt from Ivory Coast, hasn't it? It's It's been an exciting tournament altogether. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if you remember, but I did say um, after Ivory Coast defeated the champions then Senegal, I said they can be unstoppable because they get, they're given a second lease of life. They thought they were out of the competition in the group stages, finally going through as one of the third best place teams. 
And I said, once you've defeated the champions and you go on, you, you've got that new lease of life. Nothing's going to stop you. They, as they say, they're not a ghost cannot be afraid. That's a saying that they have. Um, so they just kept building that momentum. It was really a new side, a completely different side that we saw in the group stages. And having that 12th player, the fans, the home support, let's not, under, let's not underestimate that. I've been in the stadium for their matches, and I see how important it is having them to help keep them going in their matches. Mm, mm, mm. Honestly, that home support that you refer to is, I think it's been the linchpin really. But the players responded. I feel like for a lot of tournaments that you get very wild home support, it also behoves the players to pl come to the party. And even at the beginning of the tournament, you could see that it's not just home support that wins it for a team. And Ivory Coast really, really proved it on the pitch. But look, let's talk about other things. The tournament is over now. And one of the biggest winners, I've been checking the numbers, is CAF. If you look at the growth in the social media following alone, you realize that this is a tournament that has been followed internationally. Um, Peter and I were talking about earlier how much coverage you've seen. The CAF president, Patrick Musefe, said um, about 2 billion people watched this tournament from beginning to end in 173 different countries across the world. But let me wow you with some more numbers because on TikTok, for instance, um, they had 5.2 million followers ahead of the tournament. That has grown to 8.5 million. On Instagram, it was from 3.6 million to 4.9 million. Mimi, the, the consumership of the content is leaning more towards video. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I haven't, I hadn't seen the numbers until you told me, but what I can say is that even for me on my Instagram page, my numbers have grown as well by a few thousand just covering um, the competition. And we're living in a very digitalized world now, Daniel, aren't we? So CAF have really focused on putting, uh, you know, a lot of work into the digital team. I do know who spearheads the digital team and they work very, very hard. They've brought a mix of, of people from around the world, influencers, who have been getting involved in um, their online content. They've also included former legends, former players who are legends obviously now, such as DJ Drogba, um, Daniel Amokachi, who get to you know speak to the players of their countries. They do like little, nice little features. So that has really gone down very well with the public. If you if you look really, there's been a, a combination of a lot of things. One of my favorite stories that I saw was this chief in Korhogo who said there will be no weddings, there will be no funerals, there will be no social events in Korhogo until the tournament is over. So there's that cultural element to it. There, there were human stories. I remember watching something on our Instagram page about um, the barber who works for the Nigerian team. And, and it's, it's things like that. And, and of course, Amanda Lamini, the first female commentator, in CAF, in a CAF tournament. I mean, it opens the door for, for people like you, Mimi, to be sitting in the in that seat in a few years, I'm sure. Oh, trust me, I'm, I, I'm not a commentator in any way, shape or form. So I, I don't think I will be doing live commentary matches. I'll leave that to, <laughs> I'll leave that to the former players who know a lot more than I do. Oh, for the Laminis of the world. No, that's fine. But I mean, those are, those are the kind of stories I feel that really pushed the AFCON and... 
look, next the next tournament in Morocco is going to be great. But yes, Morocco is another country that's known for being very good at hosting competitions. They've also got very good stadiums. I, you know, I've been to the country quite a few times. Um, so I think CAF can only build momentum from this competition. The global eyes around the world um, that have really paid attention to this and just build on that for the next one. And I think they will do that. So what, what would you say would be next for CAF? I mean, you started talking about the Morocco tournaments, but what would you say is the next thing that we should look for? Well, I mean, if we're looking at um, Africa Cup of Nations, there's also the Women's Africa Cup of Nations this summer, which will be taking Morocco taking place in Morocco. So that's also another big one, I think, that is worth us as well, giving just as much attention as the men's game. Alrighty. Um, maybe we'll be back for a WAFCON. You never know. There's a man called Pierce Lynch. He's in charge of this whole thing. He would, he would <laughs> make the decisions. But look, Mimi, definitely an awesome um, time spending this, this whole tournament with you, seeing you chill in Ivory Coast. And hopefully we'll be back for the <laughs> I'm working too. <laughs> ah, you know, it's always work and play. It's always work and play. Yeah. Hopefully we'll be back with another um, big conversation around African football. Thanks so much, Mimi. Thank you, Daniel. It's been fun. See you next time. My name is Daniel Daz. I did this with Mimi Fawaz. Earlier, we had Peter of Coaching. That's why you don't feel that vibe. I don't feel that vibe.